Welcome back and thank you for joining us at the Cesar Chavez event today with Taro's Health and Arizona State University. I have our guest here, Shakira Pfeiffer and Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Excuse me, I mispronounced last name. And you're here with Crisis Response Network. So can you share with us a little bit what is the role of Crisis Response Network? Well, the Crisis Response Network is a 24-7, 365 mental health crisis hotline. We are here locally in Tempe, Arizona, but we serve all of Maricopa County and Northern Arizona. Okay, so you're all large footprint, large footprint. What would be, as an example, why someone would call the line? What, what type of calls do you get? That's a really good question. We tell people there's no crisis too small. So if you're having a rough day and want to talk with somebody about that day, we're there. Mm -hmm. Also, we have individuals who may call who may have thoughts of suicide mm -hmm. or harming themselves or others. We want them to call as well, but we truly define crisis. We let the individual define what that crisis is. Because if it's a crisis to you, it's a crisis to us. Sure. So we want people to call when they are in that need help talk through situations, get to a higher level of care if needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What sort of background do the people have on the other side of the phone um, have to, in order to man those calls? Another really good question. We do pride ourselves at the um, education and the experience and training of our employees. Um, they have anywhere from a bachelor's degree all the way up through PhD level okay. in those related fields, social work, counseling, psychology, education. But we also have those individuals who truly have a passion to serve yeah. and they have, maybe they have a degree in a, in a different field and that's okay because they're going to receive that additional training. Okay. I think people who call will find that our specialists are just passionate. They want to serve. Mm -hmm. They want people who are in need to get connected. Mm -hmm. So it's a training, it's education, and really a heart-centered purpose for the work that they're, they're doing and supporting the people on the other line. Absolutely. Wonderful. Now, you're here at the, at the Cesar Chavez event today, uh, an event based on diversity. Give me an idea, what brings you to this particular event? I think for us as an organization, we know that crisis hits everybody. Every Anyone can come across a crisis in their life, um, but at times we, we may um, come across that wall of that stigmatization of mental health, and we see that a lot in communities of color. Mm -hmm. And we come to this conference to bring that awareness. This is a great conference that has like-minded like individuals and wonderful community partners and providers who understand where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. We all want to serve people in all communities, but we understand that culture plays a role mm -hmm. and we want individuals to be honored where they're at in their culture and use it as a strength. Mm -hmm. as we connect people to resources or support they may need. Mm -hmm. So we come here as an organization because we have a, a great partnership with Taros mm -hmm. and also with ASU, and we want to make sure that we are reaching all communities. Mm -hmm. But for us, this brings to light the need for communities of color to be honored in their culture and mm -hmm. how they receive mental health services. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, and this is such a diverse community. I get that, that it is incredibly important to address those areas. Um, let's unpackage a little bit your relationship with Taro's Health, and their footprint has changed over the last few years. Clemmer has been working with uh, Taro's for about eight years, and um, what is your collaborative relationship that you have with the folks at Taro's Health? Oh, 
Gosh, a really good question. Taros is a wonderful community partner, and for us at the Crisis Response Network, we have a direct connection with Taros, um, not only because of the programs and services they offer, we also work with them on the crisis line front because they provide, they're one of our providers for our mobile crisis teams. Okay. So they're uh, essential to the role we do. We take that call in, mm-hmm. and when that call meets that criteria for a mobile team, we have Taros right there as a great partner to dispatch and respond to that crisis on site. Perfect. So, Shakira, you've actually answered a question that I was curious about. What if you find that the person on the other end of the line needs more than that phone call? What comes into play and how does that criteria get triggered in order to have a mobile crisis response team or some other forms to support them? Yes, our crisis specialists, as they are going through calls as they come in, they are doing assessments to see what type of response this call may need. Because there are times when the call comes through and it can be handled and come to a safe conclusion over the phone. Mm -hmm. But if we have any concerns for safety, we can dispatch those teams out. So that next level from the the hotline itself would be that mobile response. Mm -hmm. But there are times that we will engage with first responders. Mm -hmm. Because at times there is going to be an immediate, there could be an immediate need, an immediate safety concern Mm -hmm. that we're going to engage with uh, police police and fire Mm -hmm. um, or other local first responders just Mm -hmm. to keep that individual safe because safety is our number one priority when responding to our calls or even on the mobile front or even the higher level of care want to make sure people are safe. Yeah. So we do work with not just our local behavioral health providers. We are truly a community here. Mm-hmm. So we want to engage at all levels to keep our community safe, especially somebody who may be going through a crisis. want to make sure safety is our, our number one priority. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, let's shift gears a little bit to the term confidentiality. How do you handle when someone calls in and, and it's a big problem in their life? It's not a life-threatening problem from what you can see. How do you handle or encourage um, people to call from knowing that it's a confidential scenario. Absolutely. Calls that come in are it is a confidential um, call you make. We do make it known that we are mandated reporters. So there are situations where we must disclose for the issue of the safety mm-hmm. as a mandated reporter and all of our staff are mandated reporters. So we do make that known mm-hmm. um, up front when mm-hmm. people are calling. But again, people can call in and they can remain anonymous. That is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody is you know, in, in acute crisis, we're going to try all we, all we can yeah. to get information from them so we can keep them safe. Right. And oftentimes in a community, you are the first reach out that they'll have. So how does someone in the community who has a need for your services, how do they reach out to you? We have a, a local a number. Anybody can call since we do serve a pretty wide uh, geography. Mm-hmm. We are Maricopa County wide in northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. So if you dial 602, Two 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 nine four four four. You're going to go straight to our crisis line. Okay. They will support you through that crisis and get okay. you in the next highest level of care if needed. Okay. And then they could also look you up on the internet, Crisis Response Network, and Google that, and they'll be all good to go. Yes. If you go to crisisresponsenetwork.org, it's our website, but it's going to direct you to give us a call to our local numbers. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Shakira, I thank you so much for sharing this resource with the community and being with us today and being part of this conference. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.